You're listening to the Owner Build podcast, where each week, Paul Hemming from C-Link interviews experts on how small and medium-sized developers can level up their business through intelligent construction management. Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Owner Build podcast with me, Paul Hemming, and Curls. The curlinator, Liam Curley. Liam, I am in very good spirits this morning. I am in very good spirits. I've just got my ticket to the final of Euro, Euro 2020, 2021. So I'm, this is going to be a good show. I'm in a good mood. I might not be in a good mood in a few days' time, but today is good. How are you? I'm good, Paul. I'm pleased. I'm delighted for you. And uh, <laughs> obviously, you, you just found out not long before we start recording. What I want to know, though, is will you be wearing the knockoff shirt again or are you going to buy a new one it's not a knockoff it's not a knockoff shirt but i did have a i did have a little bit of a look actually ever since you started uh taking the mickey about that i shirt mean let's say it's disgraceful it's, it's not a knockoff going to wembley for a final in a knockoff it's not an, it's not number one it's not a knockoff shirt but number two i'm sensitive to every comment that you make about me Liam. so i did start having a look at could you get how much was the current English shirt? But turns out it's like a hundred quid, so not interested. I'm not gonna Maybe not gonna you should swap the ticket for uh, a shirt, a new one. <laughs> no chance, no chance. Yeah, but you're all good, are you, mate? I am, thanks, Paul. Yeah, I can't top your moves, can I? So I'm not even gonna. No, try. no, I can. You can see I've got a little bit of a spring in my step today. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted. But our guest today, so our, our, our episode title today is "Time is Money," and we're joined by a construction business coach. And I'm fascinated to see where this conversation is going to go, particularly because I'm in such a good mood. So today we welcome Robin Hayhurst to the show. How are you, Robin? How are you doing? Oh, very well, thank you. Um, all I can say is I, I hope you're up in the gods and you can't see it all. And the, the, be- the, be- <laughs> the, the beauty of it is I know that I'm not. I'm going to be for the semi-final. I was behind behind the goal just to the corner where they were all celebrating. So that's where I'll be again. So um, oh, honestly, it's just getting this, worse, isn't it, that's Robin? What, that's, that's why I feel so good about it. But you know, when when we lose and you're miserable and you're upset wherever you are, just think oh, I'm going to be miserable and upset trying to get out of Wembley. So then you'll feel smug. Sure well, that's tempting fate, isn't it? When we lose, I don't know. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm I'm an England fan. I'm not overly confident. But enough about enough about football, anyway. Or oh, we could talk about it, but let let's try and get to to the topic. So, I guess to take it from the top, can you introduce yourself, introduce your business and your experience? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I'm Robin Hayhurst. Uh, I'm a construction industry coaching mentor. I I think I'm a rarity. I've actually been running businesses in the industry for um, ooh, over twenty years in development and contracting. Uh, and I now help other people, which I really enjoy doing. So, uh, yeah, we work with people either all over Zoom, but either one-to-one or we've just started a group coaching session. So, yeah. Excellent. And and the kinds of clients you support are all SMEs. Who, who do you support? Well, I support developers, subcontractors and contractors. So really anything from 200,000 turnover up to five or six million. Okay. Awesome. That sounds a lot like the sort of clients that we work with as well. So that's really interesting. So I was reading your your LinkedIn profile earlier, Robin, and I thought it was there's like a really honest uh, piece on there where you talk about um, your dad and learning about business from your dad. 
I'm going to quote you, you say, I remember watching my father working all hours of the day to keep on top of his uh, construction business. Originally, he trained as a carpenter and he finally started his own business in 1969. He put the first roofs on himself and family was really important to him, but he gave up a lot of time with family to keep on top of growing the business. So you actually talked to me about, we were talking about what we could discuss on this episode and we talked about the term overwhelm specifically for construction business owners what 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 does overwhelm mean to you well i think you've got to go back to basics and say you know who runs construction companies and subcontractors they tend to be a trade-based person so they go out to learn their trade and then they go oh i think it'd be a good idea to um, start a business it's a completely different skill set it's not difficult to learn but it's a completely different skill set so Often people are trying to do their trade, they're then trying to run the business, they haven't got the skills to run the business, and they think that the solution is working long hours and working very hard. And yeah, that is part of the solution. But actually, the main solution is working smart, putting systems in place, delegating properly, employing the right people. A combination of all, all those, you know, you shouldn't have to be working your 12, 14 hour days, seven days a week. You should better do it in a normal time. And and is overwhelm something that you you thought you saw in your dad when he was running his business? I never saw it in my dad. He used to uh, he used to work very hard. Uh, he hid it very well, I think. But he did work long hours. Uh, he was running a development company, building quite a few houses. I think a peak there, doing about seventy houses a year. And you know, it's something that uh, it, it happens. You kind of you've got too much to do and not enough time to do it. And, and so I, I guess, does that story mean anything to you as well, Liam, thinking about your dad and um, his experience growing, growing his business? Because he was a subcontractor as well, wasn't he? Yeah, probably a bit different to Robin with the nuance in, in terms of 70 houses a year is, is a lot bigger than, you know, my dad was a roofing subcontractor, just like Robin's described, you know, was a lead worker and then set up, baby. You, you know, you, you take on projects like, and grow. But yeah, he, as you find with many subcontracted contractors, you know, their expertise is in the trade as opposed to the other aspects of business. And I think that for, for contractors or, or in a lot of small business owners, there, you know, the, there is a tendency to try to do everything yourself as opposed to taking either build systems or bring in the right kind of team to take on jobs to uh, to, su- to support your growth. They're just trying to take it all on. It's definitely something that resonates. Why is it that you're so passionate about, about this, Robin? I think it's because I see a lot in my clients. So I tend to take on a client in the first few weeks is just working on getting them time to spend working on the business rather than in it. And it's an important part of it. So many co- companies in our industry go bust. You know, in the first five years, I think it's as high as, you know, 80%, 90%. So it's it's a big chunk. And it is because of this not having the skills to run the business side of it. Uh, but technology nowadays, of course, can help so much with that. Uh, we're at a really good point uh, with technology. So there's loads of ways that people can actually get out of that situation, the overwhelmed situation, that they couldn't do 10, 15 years ago. Do you find, so you... you you get a new client and you say, right, first few weeks, we're going to try and extract you out of the business. You said rather than working in the business, work on the business. 
um, is kind of like your first step. Do you find that that process is always quite hard because people are naturally just drawn back into the business and find it hard to extract themselves? And then you just talk about overwhelm. Yeah, I think um, what happens a lot is people get drawn back to site. So they're trying to work in the office, they're trying to be office based, they're trying to do that kind of bit and they get drawn back, back to site. Some of them because they actually, you know, at the end of it, really enjoy the site a bit. So it's where they feel most comfortable. Um, but some because they haven't got the right systems in place. So they're, they're always firefighting. So kind of a headless chicken comes to mind, uh, you know, just running around, not getting a lot done and trying to solve problems. Whereas being proactive and trying to get those problems solved before they happen is what running the business is all about. Okay, but I mean, taking the example of Liam's dad with his roofing business, your dad with his carpentry business, I understand the drawback to site subcontractors, tradespeople. It is this, it's the thing that you're the expert in. It does draw you back to site. You also mentioned, though, that, um, well, I, I know that you work with some smaller principal contractors, but also you've mentioned that you work with developers. How I'm, I'm guessing, maybe I'm wrong, that developers and main contractors are less likely to be drawn back to site than a tradesperson, sub, subcontractor type director. How do they differ? They, they don't really. Their problems are the same. They all get drawn back to site if they kind of have a site background. Some developers aren't tradespeople, and you can get more of that now, but they, de they still tend to be the person that appears on site to make decisions and sort out the problems. Um, so it is a big problem to them. And th but they also need to be on site. So you have to kind of put that in your schedule, allow it to, you know, to happen once a week and make sure everyone knows about it, um, that you're going to be there to resolve problems. Because not all problems need to be resolved instantly. And, and, and what are the signs? What, what makes you think this individual, this business is suffering from overwhelm, as you put it? I think it's generally the hours people work. So you come across companies that you make them look at their financials and say, look, you're now working more hours than you were when you when you were a trade. You're actually making less money. And not a lot of people realize that. So you're working more hours, less money. You know, you've got to kind of work out why you're doing this and if it's worthwhile for you. So they need to kind of get those hours down. They need to be more productive and they've got to kind of really control their figures. Uh, and that way, then there's a huge uh, opportunity for them. Robin, do you think that in those types of examples you're talking about, should those business owners be going back to site? I think you should never lose contact with site. And it was something I was guilty of uh, at one stage in my career. I got too busy in the office and I lost contact with site. And I think you should never lose contact with site, but you need to do it in a controlled way. So if you're going to visit site, you know, do it on a Monday, do it on a Friday, you know, once a week, it's a much better way of doing it. Everyone knows you come in and you can then, the problems can kind of wait until then. But also it's been about proactive, it's about making sure that everyone's got the right information, you're communicating properly, you're delegating properly. Lots of people, they start to run a business, they tend to abdicate rather than delegate. So abdicating is giving someone a job and walking away. Delegating is about managing the process. Are your, are your not your clients specifically, people like within our industry here's my assumption right based from what i've seen their strength is they were good at their trade they get loads of it they get loads of inquiries coming in they get repeat business and so they take on more work their personal strength was in that work 
So if they want to grow their business further, that is more, as you say, working on the business as as opposed to in it. But their strength was working in it. So would there be examples where maybe they're better finding somebody that does the office stuff better than them? Whether you call the office, whatever you want to call the office stuff, commercial stuff, lead generation, things like that. And they focus on what got them to where they got, which is their expertise in the product. What do you think about that? Then you've got to ask the question, are they better off just going to work for someone else? Because if it's your business, you've got to run that business. You can't give it to someone else to run uh, and then be the business owner. You might as well go, you know, trades can earn some really good money. Um, You know, if you're a fantastic carpenter and you could do hand cut roofs and stuff like that, you can earn really, really big money. Why do you need to run a company? You've got to have a passion for running the company. Well, because I guess in other industries, let's say creative industries, it may be, you know, you'll earn more money if you have an asset, which is a business. And there in other uh, other industries, there are people that step back and say, well, I'm building, I'm growing my business because I'm really good at my job. And now I've got a team of 10 or 15. But actually, I don't want to run this business because I like doing the job. But I can hire someone who has, who's really good at being a CEO for a, for a small business in my field, I'll pay them a good wage. I'll make money because the business is growing and I get to do the bit that I like. What would you think about that? Anything's doable and different people work in different ways. So, you know, it's possible to do that. But you've got to think about businesses that you see out there. You know, who's the face of the business? If someone's working on site and they've got someone managing everything and being the face of the business back in the office, is it their business? Is it what people expect to see? There's all kinds of formulas that work. And for some people, that formula will work if you can get the right person. There's also the problem, of course, if people are setting up a new business, they can't afford to employ someone to do that role. Yeah, definitely, definitely initially, I guess. But but it, it's funny, isn't it? Because that transition from when, uh, when they set up the business, they're probably not going to be overwhelmed with with work but then it's it's that transition point from successful with handful of repeat clients that are feeding you the work i guess and then trying to take that next step almost to to growing the business which is then becomes very difficult if you are doing front and back of office i guess i think it is and i think i mean you've got to remember these people entrepreneurs so if an entrepreneur and a proper entrepreneur what are you gonna be doing working on site or growing your business. So we can't take it away just because we're in the construction industry, which is low tech and you know, people don't see that kind of side of people. We're still entrepreneurs, come yeah. on. But you know, it's 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 seen as that, isn't it? So, you know, we don't see our industry as high tech as someone running an IT company or such as. So um, a subcontractor, again, going back to the basics, has a trade background. If he wants to be an entrepreneur, that's surely what he's he wants to move forward and do, and therefore he'd want to run the business. Interesting. All right. Well, look, let's um, let's continue exploring this topic just after this little break now. I wanted to take a quick break from the show to share a message from our sponsor, C-Link. Sync is software designed to streamline the process 
of subcontract procurement. It's a platform that helps SME developers and main contractors stay agile whilst replicating the commercial scale and savvy of large contractors. If you want to save a guaranteed minimum 5% against budget construction costs on your next project, head to www.get.c-link.com slash podcast to find out more. If you're driving or working out right now and didn't catch that URL, don't sweat it. We've included the link in the description box for this episode. Now, let's get back to the show. So, understand overwhelm, understand how it can impact different businesses, different people, and can, can see the value in it. So, what when you start working with, and I'll, uh, there'll be a lot of business owners listening who will be starting to think, because when I first started to speak to you about it, um, Robin, I started to think about myself. So I'm assuming there's going to be people listening who might be thinking about themselves um, in this context. For you, what are the signs of it in in someone? Are the the re- really clear signs, I know you've talked about working hours. Is there anything more beyond that? Well, it's anxiety, stress, mental health, um, all those kind of things come into it. I think it's actually more important to talk about what you can do about it, you know, to give your listeners some value. There are some very simple things you can do that, that can help. And, and one is to actually work out what you do. Uh, and I advise my clients to keep a log for at least two weeks in half hour sections and write down what they do. Because actually you waste a lot of time. You know, you're, you're on your computer, you get on Facebook, might be work, get on LinkedIn, might be work. Is it, you know? Don't waste time, you don't need to waste. The other thing is to do, once you've got your list of things you do, you can then, um, I use a, a, a matrix, but you can kind of put it on a board and decide, well, this is a list of things I do, what can I delegate? You know, what can I give someone else to do? And this is where, this is where IT comes into it because you can get a virtual assistant now for an hour a day. You don't have to employ someone. And they could do, let's say they did 10% of the stuff that you you, you do. That's 10% of your time back for a very cost, really, in comparison to employing someone full-time. So you can do that as well. Um, and there's a few management techniques. Um, and one that I often describe is, is called, uh, it's called Who's Got the Monkey? Uh, it was who's, in got the, the, who's, got the mon- who's Got the Monkey? Who's Got the Monkey? Who's Got the Monkey, yeah. Yeah. So it's, Ooh, from the, it's from an article in the Harvard Review. It, it, I read it all. 20 years ago, longer than that, must have been 25 years ago. And I was particularly overwhelmed at the time. I was running a site. Uh, I could tell you where it was in Guildford. Uh, and I won't tell you what company I was working with. But anyway, totally overwhelmed, too much to do. And I read this article, and the article basically said, look, if someone comes into your office with a problem and you do your normal thing, which is, oh, okay, I'll give me that problem and, and I'll, I'll solve it out for you. They walk out without a problem anymore. You've got the problem. Well, that's the monkey. And you end up with all these monkeys on your back. Whereas if they come if they come into your office with a problem and you go, okay, how are we going to solve this now? Or have you thought about it? You know, can you find a solution yourself? Or can you find the architect? Can you, you know, go and see the trade? Can you, you know, can you sort it out and, and find a solution that way? 
even if you stop half the people from leaving a problem with you, how much extra free time are you going to have? So it's a real simple technique, but it's very effective. The art, it's, the, it's the art of saying no at times, I guess, rather than assuming more and more. Constructively. Yeah. Constructively, no. I mean, that's the important thing, because if you can sit down and resolve the problem with them at the time, that's the only option. That's a really good option. What you don't want to do is have a pile of papers on your desk where you've got these problems to solve because you've taken them on board, because that's the simplest thing to do. Uh, but but what if there's no one else in the organisation who I feel confident can execute those tasks when there's all those problems when they 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 arrive? I can't say, can you go and resolve it? I feel like we're the, I'm the only person in the organisation competent to do it. Well, that might be the case, but let's say that's the case half the time. You still cut your work from other people mm. down by half. Yeah. No. So it doesn't have to be. You don't have to be 100 percent with it. But if you cut your workload down, it gives you more time. And it worked really well for me. I went from completely pulling my hair out to uh, you know, having time to be able to solve the problems I needed to solve. Who's got the monkey? I, I, do, I do like that. It's catchy as well, isn't it? And so, so how do you measure success with your clients? Well, it's not financial. I'll tell you that now. It's really about having, giving them a clear indication of where they're going and giving them back control of the company. So it's for them to have control, understand where they're going. The second thing is financial. You know, they're actually making a profit. They understand that. They understand where they're going. And lots of companies are, are run on a day-by-day basis. But unless you've got a plan, unless you've got a one-year, two-year, three-year plan, you're actually kind of going, you could be going really quickly, nowhere. So it's quite important for companies to sit down, work on the company, work out what their plan is. So generally, Coaches generally, general business coaches will do a 90 day plan and then they'll look at the one, two and three year. So I think success is having control over that process uh, and, and also, you know, putting systems in place for them that work, that are simple. Uh, we don't want, no one wants like the paperwork. You know, there are loads and loads of examples of that. An example of say, you know, a paperwork system didn't work. It was the same company I was working for. But they brought in BS5750 in its time, which is the ISO of its time. But the way they defined people's roles was to actually um, ask them, what do you do? Well, at the time, I was a site manager. So if you ask site manager what he does, he goes, well, you know, I, I, I visit every house every day and I check them and I go through and I make lists and I, I do this, I do that. No, you don't. Actually, you might go and have a cigarette with Frank and then you might have a cup of coffee with Fred and have a chat about how it's going and but they based the system on them visiting every house every day well one of the sites i was doing had a hundred units there's no way even if i spent just 10 minutes in each unit i was going to visit every day so they had a nice long tick sheet sheet that you used to tick off items in each in each unit which all the site managers ended up doing at their desk because they didn't have time to order the units <laughs> so completely counterproductive effectively yeah so systems need to be simple and they need to be based on what people actually do. Absolutely. And you, you talk about, or I've seen you talk about one system in particular, which is the construction contractor's profit system. I've never heard of that. What, what exactly is it? Well, it's based on Profit First, which is a book, and there's one for, there's one specific for contractors. And all it is really is a very simple system, uh, and it's having different bank accounts 
for different things. So when your VAT comes in, you put it in a bank account. If you're going to uh, take money out and you need to, you've got tax element to that, you put that in another bank account. Uh, if you're going to put money aside for yourself, you put that in another bank account. By doing that, when you come to pay your VAT, for instance, money's there. You know, it's it's not a problem. You don't, you don't kind of get your your VAT um, being owed and think, oh, I spent it. I didn't realise it's just all in with all of the money. You know, I've had a bad month this month. It's just a really simple system of separating your money out uh, so it works. I mean, Profit First says put it in a different bank. But, I mean, a different bank account is good enough, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you're creating lots of additional bits and pieces of admin, I guess. And and, and what, what does... Aside, aside from the obvious, what is it giving you that that system? How is it allowing um, you to grow? Well, it's allowing you to have a snapshot of how you're doing. Uh, the other thing that they suggest you do is you just take a small percentage of every invoice that comes in and put it into a profit account. So it might be 1%. You know, if you've got £100 coming in and you put £1 in a profit account, is that going to make a big difference to how you work? Is that going to make a big difference to your cash flow? But it adds up. So over the year, it adds up, it adds up, it adds up. And as you get a, um, a kind of more defined control on your financials, you can increase that. Uh, and that's why it's called profit first. You take your profit out first. But it doesn't have to be your whole profit. But it, it just gives you a clear indication of where you're going, how you're kind of approaching it. And it's like a snapshot. By just looking at what, what's in those accounts, you kind of know you're doing okay. Yeah. Uh, but what's, what's the... Uh, obviously, it's, I'm assuming it's quite lengthy, but, but what's the what's the summary of that that book upon which this is based on? When you're saying it's profit first, it's extracting your profit so you understand it, or what is it suggesting? Well, the idea is by taking your profit out and your other bits and pieces out, you have to learn to survive on the rest of the money. So you can make decisions on overheads, you can make decisions on expenditure based on the money that's left in the account, not by kind of a gross money which you don't have to split down. So you can make realistic expectations of what you're able to spend on investing in, in you know, whatever, coaching, whatever you want to invest in. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, let's get some money invested in coaching. Good thinking. <laughs> get it all into coaching. That's what I reckon. That's what I reckon. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. There's, for all of the listeners, there's also a allocated uh, C-Link bank account and an allocated coaching bank account. Oh, yeah, we've yeah. Got, you've got to remember that. Yeah. You've, got, you've got to create these bank accounts. Just wanted to ask Robin another question, actually, which is, uh, so our listeners, or our, we believe many of our listeners are small developers that manage the construction in-house or, or small contractors, i.e. turnover less than £10 million, say, your kind of market. Could you describe, if you can think of one, a problem that they you generally find they have, but before you speak to them, they don't know they have it? I would say one of the biggest problems they have is communication. Communication is so important. Uh, there was a survey done, and I, I'm reading, I read this about 20 years ago, so it's quite old, but something like 90% of the cost overruns on sites is about poor communication. Now, communication can be drawings, it can be written, it can be anything. But most of the mistakes and cost overruns are down to the quality of the information and the communication. And I think most people think they communicate okay, but having that paper trail, having a good communication system, which is integrated into a lot of software nowadays 
is absolutely vital. So people often don't know they have that problem. And I think that is a major one. What would poor communication, what does that look like, broadly speaking? Well, when someone starts, say, let's say a carpenter goes to your site and he starts his first fix, a really good contractor will have a pack for him and they'll say, this is the pack with the latest drawings, the latest this, the latest that, the spec. So everything is there for them. And I used to even load out for my subcontractors because I wanted them to make a profit. I wanted to make sure that they kind of got on site and made a profit. If the individuals, if, I'm, if I've got a carpentry company working for me and I can get the individual guys to make money, they'll want to come back to my site. Well, the good guys choose what site they want to go to because their boss wants to keep them. So if your site is really kind of humming and they can get in there and make money, um, they'll choose to come back to your site so you get the better trades. So the communication around the packages they get, the communication with subcontractors, the changes in the drawings, I mean, how many times are drawings change? And how well do we communicate that? And it's all easy with software nowadays to do all that. Communication with the client, for the smaller contractors who do a lot of residential stuff, um, extensions and stuff like that, it's making sure that the client understands the problems they're going to face. Good example is you have a 12-week program and you miss something by a day because I don't uh, it's raining. So the plaster can't come in. Now, the client will go, well, you've missed a day, so you lose a day off the program. But if you pre-warn them that you don't lose a day off the program, you use, lose a week off the program because that plaster is going to go somewhere else and it's going to finish that job and then come back. So that communication preempting things is so important. Yeah, no, that, that is funny, isn't it? Because when you say uh, one of the primary issues is communication, like you say, most people go, oh, I'm pretty good at communicating. But then when you say something as simple as that, like, okay, let's give you a really uh, granular topic, new new subby starts on site, how do you communicate with them? And what, you, what you've just expressed there, I've been a subby in the, in, the back, in the past, sorry. And that kind of organisation or that kind of communication, as you put it, Robin, is something which, which just creates such quality momentum on site. So even if you think you are a great communicator, there, there are real areas that you can expose and improve upon. So very interesting. Very good question, Curls. Very good question. I like that. I, th I think just to add to that, the other thing is who put systems in place at communicate. It's really important that if you put a system in place, there has feedback because you then it's you constantly improving that system. So the feedback and you have feedback from your staff. So one of the things I do implement is, is monthly meetings where the staff got an an opportunity, whoever they are, of suggesting things that could be done better and use feedback forms and then that gets implemented and then you have to do it again and you do it again and you for, you're constantly improving the systems you use and that's all part of communication. And keeping everyone engaged, keeping everyone feeling like that they have a real say in where the business is headed. No, that makes perfect sense. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Well, I think we've... Um... We've unpacked that topic very, very nicely. That was really, really interesting. Um, it was lovely to have you on, Robin. And as always, uh, for the listeners, I'll be putting Robin's details, the details of his business in the uh, podcast description. I'd also just like to say a little thank you to one of our listeners, um, Alex Hennessy of Copperstone Projects, who introduced us to Robin. They're a great principal contractor. You should go check them out. And uh, yeah, that's 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 all from all from us this week. I'm probably going to be depressed next week or in very very happy but i've you know i can't stop thinking about these tickets that i've got but 
<laughs> thanks so much uh robin for coming in and um thank you liam again for all your time mate thanks for having me yeah thanks for having me it's great thanks robin